always excitement, isn't there, when school lets out, at the elementary school at least, I'm sure in other schools as well. But there's something particular at being at the elementary school when it's time to go home. Maybe you can imagine or remember the sounds of kids yelling and running and chasing each other, being ready to go home. Maybe you can remember or imagine the sound of the whistle, of the cross guard, helping kids get across the street. Or maybe the sound of the horns of the parents' cars even, right? Well, I was there this week to pick up our kids after school one day, and I was there on the side of the road just waiting until I saw them get out so we can get in the car and go home. As I was there, I was paying attention to a parking lot there at Gilbert that also serves as a pickup zone for some of the smaller children. And very quickly, this parking lot slash pickup zone filled up, so much so that there was an overflow of cars in the parking lot. And there was one parent that caught my attention. Actually, there was one parent that caught the attention of a lot of people there. This parent was there to pick up their child, but didn't get there early enough, so they were part of the overflow. And, well, didn't want to get out of line, wanted to be able to stay in line to pick up their kid, but that meant that their car was in the middle of the street, blocking traffic. And very quickly as well, several cars behind that car, on the side of that car, started piling up. And some of those people had encouraging words for that parent, I think. As they waited for the oncoming traffic to get out of the way so they could go around this parent and go forward. Some of them honked. And that parent must have outlasted at least eight cars or nine cars maybe. Was just content to stay there in the middle of the street until one more car pulled up. Now this car just happened to be the Irving Police Department. It's really kind of interesting. The car just pulled up kind of slow. I didn't see any words said. There was no siren and no lights. But very quickly, this parent backed up and went to find somewhere else to wait. You see, that's what happens when authority shows up. So imagine some of the excitement then in the synagogue that one day when Jesus shows up with authority. Mark Tine, I think, wants us to get the idea, the impression that the people have had their fill of these boring, mundane, maybe overwinded teachers, right? You know those kind, right? You have to put up with those every week, right? Yes. But you, you, they've had their fill, right? Had to hear somebody else again, but then Jesus comes and he starts teaching. He's not one of those kind of teachers. And they are, as Mark tells us, amazed by his teaching, that he has authority, not like anybody else they had heard. And so as Jesus showed up and he taught, boy, the sleepers, their heads popped up. Nobody was thinking about lunch plans or anything. Nobody was worried about what time it was and when are we going to get out of here. They were just amazed as they listened to Jesus' teaching. Now, considering that, imagine you're in church one day. And you just happen happen to be listening to something from someone that is just amazing you. Huh? Are you amazed right now? 
but pretend you're there at church and you're being amazed by somebody's teaching. And as you are listening, somebody shows up. Now, this somebody shows up and interrupts everything. Maybe you know there's something wrong with this person, this man. Maybe you know him or maybe you at least know people like him. But he shows up and he makes a scene. Now we won't get to finish hearing this amazing teacher. And I kind of wonder if that's part of the feeling Mark has as we hear about this time Jesus goes to the synagogue. The people are being amazed. Man shows up and interrupts everything. Now we don't get to finish hearing this amazing teacher. But, friends, this teacher is more than just a teacher, isn't he? Now, as Luke tells a story, don't lose the irony that he uses. You see, the people are being amazed as Jesus is teaching, right? But we really don't get the sense that they understand or know who Jesus is. It's the unclean spirit that Mark tells us identifies who Jesus is. It's the unclean spirit that knows Jesus' name, knows where he's from, and I think more importantly, knows exactly who this guy is. The unclean spirit knows all this. Now, this isn't the first spirit we've been introduced to. In Mark's story, Mark has introduced us and told us about another spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit was there at Jesus' baptism, and it was the Holy Spirit that was with Jesus as he was in the desert those days, right? So I think in some way, maybe Mark is showing us something important, showing us a reality of our lives. Remember that the Holy Spirit wasn't just the one with Jesus in the desert, in the wilderness. In fact, Mark tells us that it was the Holy Spirit that guided Jesus to the desert, the wilderness. And then this man who comes in this day at the synagogue has this unclean spirit that sort of takes control of him. And I think in those two ideas of these two spirits at work is the reality of our lives. Either we can be led and guided by God or led and guided by something or maybe even someone else. Now, today you and I begin a conversation on healing. And we begin with this story, very appropriate story. This is Mark's first story about the healing of Jesus, Jesus healing someone. And in the story, the man has an unclean spirit. And that unclean spirit, that always sparks a great amount of conversation when we start talking about it. Because I think, in part, our idea and understandings of some spirits and what spirits are or aren't, I think differs than what maybe Marx would have or maybe people in Marx's day. I don't think that makes them any more right or wrong or more faithful or not. We just... We have different opinions now. We've thought about things. Some of our ideas are a little more developed today. And even though, still, as we talk about spirits and the spirit world, all that kind of stuff, you can find ample amount of commentary, 
that support maybe an idea that this is a spirit, very physical kind of spirit that Mark is talking about. And then you have other people who are more liberative in their interpretation of what the spirit might be. But even so, I think we can find some common ground when we think about this idea of the unclean spirit. And that common ground is this, that whatever that man had, had him. Whatever it was, it had him. Now, the people are amazed, aren't they, that Jesus has been teaching, and they say so, say as much. They keep repeating how amazing, authoritative this teaching is. But then they tell us something else, something else that amazes them, that I think helps us consider, uh, something for us to consider in our conversation about healing. After Jesus does whatever with the Spirit, they say, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Now, what does that word even suggest about the unclean spirits? Jesus can command even the unclean spirits. I think it might suggest that they think these unclean spirits, they've got power. They have the ability to take control of us. And friends, in our topic of healing, I think that's the same thing that can happen to us. When we're thinking about those things that we want to be healed from, Those things can just take a hold of us. They can control us. They can control our entire life. Think about something like depression. Think about the power depression can have over someone. Think about how much much something like even going from an illness like that, something like anger. How anger can just cloud everything else and make your life angry because it has taken control and it is moving your life. Think about all those things you know in your own life and the people in your life, the things that they deal with. Think about someone dealing with addiction. What does addiction do? takes over. Think about those things. They have the ability to control us. And our whole life sort of revolves around the sickness or the illness or the ailment that we have. We can't do this anymore because I'm this. I can't go here anymore because I feel this way. I can't be this way the way I want to be because I'm so controlled by what's going on. Even something like stress. Stress seems like something we can get over with, but stress can just control you, and before you know it, you're yelling at your boss. You go home, you take it out on your wife, on your kids, on your husband. That stress has taken over. That stress can make you feel like life isn't even worth living if all i got to do is put up with this again And again, these things, my point is, have the ability to take 
us over. And I think that's part of the realization these people have that he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Now, what does that word even suggest about Jesus? He commands the unclean, even the unclean spirits, and they what? They obey him. So while these things may have the ability to control us, Jesus has the power to overcome that. When we talk about healing, usually in our modern context, and we talk about healing and God together, many of us draw a line somewhere, don't we? Maybe we've seen things on TV or read about things where people have seemed to use healing for unfaithful purposes. Unfortunately, in my experience, when that happens, when people draw that line somewhere, they really just sort of disassociate themselves with the power of God, with the healing power of God. Because if that's healing, that, that's not, no. I don't believe in that. Friends, I hope this is an encouragement to you today. There is a difference between doubting the person and doubting God. I think at least at this point in the story that Mark is telling, Mark is not trying to communicate to us that God wants to heal us. Maybe in other places he will. But I think the part that Mark really wants you to you and I to pay attention to is that God has the authority. Even the unclean spirits listen to him. Our healing begins with the authority of God. Our healing begins with the power of God. Whatever healing you have in mind right now, it begins with the authority of God. And when you and I seek to let God lead us and guide us as God will, we are brought to more and more healing. Many years, several years ago, I participated in a, an event that had healing included in it. And, well, you guys know this, and maybe I'm already telling where, where I come from with this, but I have a bad knee. And I was convinced that night that God was able and powerful enough to heal that bad knee. The sporting in injury, don't think I'm old or anything, right? And I remember feeling like, man... I need to be one of those people up on that stage to tell everybody else what God just did for me. And I went. I got in line, waited in line like 30, 40 minutes. Everybody else was going. I never forget getting up on the stage, the man who, who was there getting ready to leave me and said, all right, get up there and make a big scene about it. Let everybody know. I said, okay. So I went up there and I told everybody that God had healed me. Amen? Yes. A few days later, I woke up. Man. No, it's my imagination, right? <laughs> no. Of course, you guys know 10 years later, I know when the weather is going to change in my knee, don't I? Here's what I mean to say. Don't ever doubt the authority and the power of God. 
Because I am convinced that God was healing me that night. But had God healed my knee the way I wanted God to, I don't know if I'd be here this morning doing what I do. What I do know happened that night is that God's authority became very real to me. And I began to allow the authority and the power of God to lead and guide me. Now, that is not me telling you how good I am. That's me telling you how powerful God is. And that our healing, friends, begins when God's authority. It begins with God's authority. And like we all know from our story at the beginning, when the authorities show up, people act, don't they? They stop blocking traffic, don't they? They get out the way, don't they? Then why haven't you acknowledged the authority of God over our life? We talk about God being God, and God is big, and God's up there, and God is all this. But does that really translate into our lives? That healing that we want from God, that healing that God wants from us, begins when you and I recognize the authority of God over those things. Friends, I want nothing more for you than you to be healed by God. That brokenness that you deal with every day, that sickness that makes you feel like sometimes life isn't even worth it, that doesn't let you be you, that keeps you from experiencing the peace of God. I want nothing more for you and to be healed from that. And if I want that for you, how much more do you think God wants that for you? But our healing, friends, begins when we recognize the authority of God. So let us pray. Oh, gracious God, you have offered to us new life. And yet, in many ways, we wake up every new day with the same old problems, the same old illnesses, the same old things that beat and wear us down. We ask for your forgiveness for those times and ways that we have let those things control us. And we ask, God, that today, you would increase our faith and increase our hope so that we could let your power be real for us today. And in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.